Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to Ty's Tech Line. I'm your host, Tyler Harrington, and thank you so much for being here. And guys, today is a very, 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 very exciting day. As a cannon shooter, I have been waiting for a day like this for, for honestly, for years. Today is the day that the Canon EOS R5 and R6 have officially been announced. There have been rumors about these cameras for months and months and months, but today they are official. It is no longer rumors. They are real. You can go pre-order them right now on B&H. And I have so many thoughts, so much I want to talk about in terms of these cameras. I've been responding to Facebook comments and having Facebook conversations about these all day long. So I just wanted to jump on the podcast here and kind of put down my thoughts what I think that these cameras mean for me personally, what I think they mean for wedding filmmaking, and what do they mean for filmmaking in general? Because these cameras are game changers. They are everything that we hoped for and more with like a few little caveats. So I just want to talk about them. There's so much to kind of go into about these two cameras. So we're going to break it all down. But all of this is also through the lens of, for me personally, uh, because I just bought a Canon C200 uh, a couple weeks ago, like two, three weeks ago, and these cameras now, in my mind, I'm viewing them in how they're going to pair alongside with my cinema cameras. Because if you don't know, I uh, I love my cinema cameras. I have been shooting with the C100s for five, six years now, but I also have been shooting with the EOS R, the original, um, for over a year. So bringing both of those things together, I have a lot of thoughts and a lot to say about these cameras. So we're going to jump in, um, but I'm really, really excited to talk about these two cameras. Okay, so we're not going to go too much into the specs or anything like that. There's a lot of information about there online, but the basic you know, what you need to know, the Sports Center version of everything going on is that Canon released two new cameras today, the R5 and the R6. The R5 is the more expensive, quote unquote, professional one. The R6 is also very high end and has lots of amazing features, but is less expensive. So the R5 is going to be retailing for 3899 US dollars, whereas the R6 is going to be $2,499. So about a, I'm bad at math, $1,300 price difference. So that's pretty significant. There's a really big, significant difference. In $1,300 is a lot for, for a body and for these differences. So let's kind of break down what the main differences are. And I'm going to be speaking mostly in terms of video because when it comes to photography, from everything that I've seen for these two cameras, they are almost identical. There's very, very little difference between these two aside from the megapixels. So the R5 is 45 megapixels, effectively 45 megapixels, whereas the R6 is 20 megapixels. So for some people, this seems like a big deal. Um, and I guess it kind of is. When it comes to photography, it's kind of like there's a point of diminishing return in which unless you're shooting for publication or you're shooting for something that's going to get blown up into a billboard size, this isn't really going to make much of a difference. Um, so... That, that's honestly like the main difference in terms of photography stuff. So we can kind of get that right out of the way. So if I were you and I was a photographer, I would definitely go with the R6 just because there's really not much of a difference between the two as far as I can tell. Um, and we'll get into some of the differences because they're kind of, they cross over between photo and video. But yeah, that's like the main difference. Um, and then in terms of video, what that means is that the R5 has the ability to shoot 8K because of that bigger sensor. So it shoots 8K raw, 30 frames per second internal, which is 
crazy. If you had told me that, I mean, when these rumors came out about these cameras, I didn't believe it. I didn't think it was true. I was like, there's absolutely no way that that's going to be possible, especially, especially not from Canon, who has been known for you know, downplaying their features, protecting their cinema lines, all these different things. I was like, there's no way they're going to do 8K in a mirrorless camera. Well, folks, they did. So 8K internal 30 frames per second. It does 4K 120 frames per second, no crop internal. We, <laughs> we had just hoped about like two years ago, right? When the, when the EOS R first came out, all we said that we wanted, we said, if we could have a camera that has 60, 4K 60 frames per second, 422 color space with in-body image stabilization, we'd be happy. That's all we want. That's, that's the holy grail of cameras. That's all we could ever ask for. And that's basically the specs that you get from the R6, which is the cheaper, less feature-driven camera. It's crazy so basically like the r6 was our dream camera that we thought of as like a stretch like if we could just have all these things we'd be so happy and then they came and they gave us that plus a whole nother list of things we never even thought to ask for in a mirrorless camera it's crazy okay so the r5 yeah so the r5 shoots 4k 120 frames per second internal all this is 422 all this is uncropped so then the r6 it doesn't shoot 8k and it shoots 4K 60 frames per second is the highest. They both have 422 color space, which is amazing. The C200 doesn't even have that in 4K, which I'm hoping they'll do some sort of a firmware update or something for the C200 after all this is, you know, after all the dust settles, because if I just could have all these specs in my C200, I would be a very happy person. Um, both cameras have five axis in body image stabilization, which is something we've wanted in Canon cameras since forever. Um, the this is an interesting. So the R5, the max ISO is 51,200, and on the R6, the max ISO is the 102,400. Basically, you can shoot the R6 at much higher ISOs, and it's going to be cleaner. Again, we need to see some footage first before we know for sure. Um, but this is kind of like the A7S versus the A7R. The A7S had that crazy low light because it had a smaller sensor. It's kind of what's happening here. Both cameras can record up to 29 minutes and 59 seconds. The R5 has two card slots, a CFast 2.0 and a regular SD card slot, um, whereas the R6 has two SD card slots. Now this is important because CFast cards are necessary to write that really high data in terms of like the 8K and all that sort of stuff in RAW. It's gonna need to go on that CFast card, but CFast cards are really expensive. I have a 256 gigabyte CFast card I just bought for my C200 and it was $400. And it only records 36 minutes of 4K raw, 36 minutes for 256 gigabytes. That's a lot. So I understand why they have that, but that makes things a little bit more complicated. So that's just another cost you're gonna have to build into this if you're considering the R5, which is already more expensive. In in order to shoot at those, you know, higher data of data driven codecs and things like that, you're gonna need that um, CFast card. So that's just kind of one more thing. Um, neither camera, as far as I can tell does dual slot recording. So like on my C100, on my C200, if I put two cards in, I can have it write to both cards simultaneously. So if one card goes down, I have an exact copy of all the footage on another card. That's really, really convenient. 
um, my understanding is that neither of these cameras does that. Even though they do have two card slots, it's gonna be kind of like it used to be with the 5D um, series where it can write to one card and then as soon as that card fills up, it'll write to the next card, but it can't write video simultaneously to both cards, which is kind of a bummer, but I'm also not really surprised by that. In terms of like the physical build of these cameras, they're both a little bit bigger than the EOS R. The R5 has a digital screen on top, just like the EOS R does, but it brought back the joystick on the back of the camera, which was missing from the EOS R, and it brought back the squirrel wheel uh, that is brought in from the 5D series that was also missing from the EOS R. They both have articulating touchscreens, they're both weather sealed, all that good stuff. Um, the R6 does not have the top LCD screen, rather it has a physical mode dial, which I actually kind of like, I do actually enjoy the mode dial. Um, so that's a little bit different, um, but for the most part, like these cameras are very, very, very similar in terms of physical layout um, with, again, the main difference being that screen on the top of the R5. Now, both cameras use the same EP6 batteries that, again, are brought in from the 5D's line. So if you have a 5D Mark III, 5D Mark IV, any of those things, the same batteries are gonna work on the R5 and the R6, which is really, really nice. Okay, so that's, that's kind of like the spec rundown of the cameras. The main thing you need to know, again, is that the R5 shoots 8K raw internal and 4K 120 frames per second. The R6 shoots 4K 60 frames per second, uncropped 4K internal both shoot 422 so that's kind of like the main the main thing you need to know and like i said before if you had just given us the r6 and that was the only camera that was announced today we would have been overjoyed we would have been so happy to have just to have 4k 60 frames per second 422 my c200 which is a you know seven thousand dollar camera does not shoot 422 4k unless you're shooting in raw like that's crazy that these cameras have this and it's everything that we've ever wanted. But you're like, okay, Tyler, it's gotta be too good to be true. What's the catch? And that's what we've been waiting for for months. These specs had been rumored and kind of came out a long time ago. And this whole time we've just been waiting. Okay, what's the catch? What's the catch? What's the catch? Well, honestly, there's not very many catches, right? There's a few things. Again, it's super early. There's a few people out there who have who have got their hands on these cameras, and I've watched some YouTube videos from people who have actually shot with them. Um, so I'm gonna pull a little bit of insight from that, but obviously we need to get these cameras in our hands. We need to put them through some more real world scenarios, especially when it comes to weddings, because I feel like weddings are a very unique, specific situation that we kind of need to see how they're gonna perform um, You know, in a, on a 95 degree summer day out shooting 4K, like how long are they gonna hold up? So. The biggest concerns or questions that I have about these cameras is gonna be the overheating. And already um, there are these reports that are coming out. EOS HD has a whole article here. And basically what they're saying is that the max record time for overheating for the R5 in 8K RAW is 20 minutes. Um, and in 4K 60 frames per second, it is 35 minutes. And that's at, it says 23 degrees Celsius, which, um, hold on, let's do a little bit of calculations here, which is 74 degrees Fahrenheit. So on a 74 degree day, I guess theoretically, you would get 20 minutes of 8K raw, which again, you're never gonna use for weddings, but 4K 60, um, 35 minutes. Um, and furthermore, a big, a big problem is that if you overheat the camera and it goes into that overheating mode, right? You turn it off. Uh, it says here that the recovery time after overheating is 
anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, which is a lot. If you're filming a long ceremony and you're pushing this camera hard and you're shooting 4K and it overheats, you're in big trouble because 10 minutes is an eternity when it comes to a ceremony, when it comes to anything live like that. So that's something really interesting that just kind of keep in mind is that there's a reason why 4K and all this stuff hasn't been coming to these mirrorless cameras. And it's not because the technology doesn't exist. It's not because they couldn't figure out how to do it. It's this exact reason right here. It's the overheating issue. A camera like the C200 or the C500, any of these cameras that have these crazy codecs can, and can shoot really you know, high data, you know, 8Ks, 4Ks, the reason why those cameras can handle it is because it's a massive body that has two huge fans that are constantly just blowing air out of that thing. If you stand close enough to a C100 or a C200 that's been running for a while, you can hear the fans are cranking. These are tiny little mirrorless cameras that don't have any fans. So of course they're gonna overheat, that's kind of expected. The question is, is it gonna get to the point where, again, on a 95 degree day, where even if you're just using this as a gimbal camera, which is how I plan on using it, you can't even be shooting for five, 10 minutes at a time. That's gonna be a problem. We don't know if that's the case or not yet. Um, in Peter McKinnon's video that he did on the R5, he did say that he got some overheating issues when he was shooting 4K 120 frames per second. He didn't give a ton of spe specifics in terms of how hot it was outside and all that sort of stuff, but it's definitely gonna be something we're gonna have to pay attention to. So that is one of the like things I'm kind of nervous about. Um, another is gonna be battery life. I would say in general, the 5D series has decent battery life for video. It's not fantastic. My EOS R actually gets surprisingly good video um, battery life. I only really shoot it at 1080p, 60 frames per second. I don't shoot it very much in 4K. The few times that I have shot it in 4K, it definitely chews through batteries. Um, but you know, 4K, 60 frames per second, 8K, all these different things. It's gonna be really interesting to see what happens with these batteries. Um, especially, they're just not very big batteries in general. Again, this is a common problem with mirrorless cameras that all manufacturers have had across all the different lines. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see. And then this isn't really an issue, but something that I wrote down is that's kind of a con is gonna be the 30 minute recording limit. Um, other cameras like the GH5 um, do not have this or you know the SL1, which is Panasonic's full frame camera, they don't have recording limits at all. So it's kind of, I would say like a con or a negative to these cameras is that they're still um, classified as stills cameras. So therefore they have this 30 minute uh, recording limit. It's not a deal breaker necessarily. Again, for what I wanna do with it, it's not gonna matter. But this is one of those reasons why I do still love using cinema cameras as opposed to the DSLR form factor. Even with all these crazy high specs, you're still gonna run into issues like this that you just can't really get around. But honestly, those are the main things. Like those are the really the only, just really the two, the overheating and the battery life are the two things that I'm like concerned about and that we'll have to see over time. But other than that, I cannot, I just, I, I, I just can't get over, I can't express enough how relieved, surprised, overjoyed I am that these cameras exist in the way that they do and that they're real and that Canon did this because us Canon shooters have been thrown through the ringer for the last five or six years probably because Sony, you know, was crushing it with the A7S and all this, you know, they were, they had all these features, they had 4K, they had all this stuff. And then 
Panasonic came out with the GH5 and it had all these awesome features in 4K, 60 frames per second and all this different stuff. Now granted with that one you had a, it was, you know, micro four thirds sensor. So, you know, it was still not perfect, but it had a lot of really great features and people were making awesome films with it. And Canon has just kind of been bebopping along. Every time they came out with a new camera, it, there was some weird stuff that was going on with it. They were handicapping their, their DSLR and their mirrorless cameras like crazy. And then the EOS R came out and initially everyone was very disappointed just from a spec standpoint. And again, you look at the specs for these cameras and you're like blown away. With the EOS R is the opposite. You're very underwhelmed with the specs, but the camera performs exceptionally well in spite of missing a lot of, you know, what people would quote, call quote unquote, you know, standard features. Um, so the EOS R kind of had this weird, like it got trashed at the beginning and then it made this huge resurgence. Um, and a lot of people were loving it for YouTube stuff and for running gun stuff. And I, you know, I bought one and I love the EOS R. It has been game changing for us. And I'm super, super impressed every time I shoot with it, the footage that I'm able to get from this, from this camera, but it was always, you know, just kind of missing these specs. And now we have them. We have all the specs we'd ever wanted in a relatively affordable price points. Again, you're talking 3,800, you know, 3,900, essentially. So $4,000 especially versus 2,500. You know, you compare the EOS R5, I would say the only camera that kind of comes close to matching it in terms of other offerings in Canon's line would be the 1DX and the 1DX is $7,000. So that's another huge jump up. And the 1DX is missing a ton of features that the R5 has. So what does this mean for me? Again, so currently right now, my camera setup is we have the C200, C100 Mark II, C100 Mark I, and the Canon EOS R. So this is kind of our four cameras. So what I envision for this these cameras is to replace the EOS R with one of these, the R5 or the R6. Right now, we use the R5 as, or we use the EOS R as our like travel camera, as our like around the house camera. And then on wedding days, it is our gimbal camera. And again, it's been more than capable of all these different things. Um, however, having switched to the C200 recently, I've been thinking, okay, so what is really gonna be the best? Because the C200 is a fantastic camera. Again, has all the, the thing, the reason I bought the C200 is because I love the cinema form factor. I love the built-in NDs. I love the built-in XLRs. I love the long battery life. I love the flexibility. And then with the C200, you get things like the, you know, autofocus and you get the articulating screen and you just get a lot of flexibility. So I'm really excited about the C200 and I still am because for what I do and the way that I like to shoot, having that cinema form factor is crucial. Like I absolutely love it for a lot of the longer form things that we do, for interviews, anything that there's people involved. And then just having it on a monopod is just a joy to shoot with. But the thing I've, I've been kind of wrestling with is getting it on a gimbal. Um, and I know technically I could fit it on my Crane 2. I could look into getting a bigger gimbal for it. But in terms of just flexibility and being able to switch back and forth and all those different things, it's not really ideal. So the idea of having this camera that can shoot 4K 60 frames per second on my gimbal camera, be the R6 or the R5, pairing that with the 4K 60 frames per second I get from the C200 with the ND filters built in and all those different things. That to me is a perfect match, which is why I'm so excited for this. And what I think I'm actually gonna do is I've been thinking about this all day. I actually pre-ordered the R6. 
not the R5 because right now for that huge price difference, again, it's like almost $1,500 price difference. What you're gaining is 4K 120 frames per second, which would be great, but isn't really necessary. And 8K raw internal, which I don't even know how comfortable I feel shooting 4K raw on my C200, let alone shooting 8K raw. That's just a lot of data. And I just can't really think of very many scenarios where that would come in handy. The extra $1,500 isn't really gonna be worth it for the R5 because everything else that matters to me, which is autofocus, is pretty much identical, the same between the two. The in-body image stabilization is in both cameras. You know, 4K 60 frames per second, that's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> it's just 4K 60 frames per second is in both is is in both of these, you know, especially in the R6. The R6 shoots dual SD card slots. I have a ton of SD cards because the C100s only shoot SD cards, so I don't have to invest a ton in more CF cards or CFast cards. Um, so for me, I think the R6 is actually gonna be more of the sweet spot for most people in terms of performance, price, and features. Like, I just think that it's, again, it. If you had told me that the R6 was the only camera they announced today, I would have been over the moon, so ecstatic. They gave us everything we ever wanted. The only reason why it looks like the secondary camera and people are even questioning it is because of the R5 existing. But none of the features from the R5, as far as I can tell, are going to be anything that I need. So the R6, I think, is the, the perfect camera. So for most people, if you asked me like, oh, which one would you recommend? I would say the R6, hands down unless you have a really specific reason for the R5. So maybe for you photographers, if you want the extra megapixels, then yes, you can go with the R5. But for filmmakers, again, unless you have a really, really specific reason that you need 8K RAW, or you really, 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 really love really slow, slow motion, because it, the, it, slow motion, you know, 4K 120 frames a second is really impressive. Like that's really awesome. And to be able to shoot that, like the all the clips I've seen from Peter McKinnon look amazing, right? But for me, it's not really worth the $1,500. And again, I'm viewing this as a secondary camera to my C200. My C200 only shoots 1080p 120 frames per second. So even if I could shoot one in 4K, I only have one. So it's not like I compare it with anything else. So I personally think the R6 is gonna be the way to go for most people. And even for you photographers out there, 21 megapixels, it doesn't sound like a lot in like today's day and age, but it's more than enough for what your clients are gonna need. You can easily print that in a wedding album. You could print it, you know, full double spread on a wedding album, no problem. It's gonna, you know, you can crop in and you can still have plenty of room to crop for any of your web digital stuff. It's never gonna be a problem. And even printing it on a canvas or something like that, it's gonna look fantastic. Like there's not gonna be an issue there. Um, again, I get it if you want the the more megapixels and you wanna go with the R5. I think that totally makes sense. Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. And then the other thing uh, that they announced today were a few new lenses and things like that. But that's the other sort of like big piece of this whole equation. And something that I think that it's funny that this one little thing that Canon did, which seems sort of insignificant, actually makes the biggest difference for people in making these decisions, and that is the use of the adapter. So you can buy the adapter for any of these R cameras, so the EOS R, the R5, and the R6. There's an adapter that allows you to use any or all of your old EF lenses on the RF mount. So the RF mount is the mount that they call, um, that goes on all of the 
XR cameras. It's a shorter flange distance. It, they say it has all these features that allows it to have faster connectivity and all these all these different things. I don't really know. Um, right now, the RF line of lenses is a little bit limited. Um, they're starting to add more and more. Again, today they announced another handful of lenses and all the lenses that I want for the most part exist in the RF lineup. The problem is that they're super expensive right now. Um, very, very, very expensive. And they're very big. Like the glass itself is just like physically a very large piece of glass. I don't really know the science behind that. It seems kind of silly to have this little mirrorless camera that you're trying to make really small and then put this massive lens on it that probably weighs three times what the body does. But the adapter is what's really fascinating because the adapter works flawlessly. I have I don't own an RF lens. I've only been using the adapter on my EOS R and I I always forget that I'm even having to use one because it's so good. There's absolutely zero loss of performance in terms of autofocus or functionality or abilities or anything like that. Um, so I use primarily the 24 to 70 2.8 Canon L series lens on my EOS R it pretty much lives on that camera. And I've used it for photos. I've used it for obviously for video and the autofocus on both is just way, way better than my 5D Mark III. And I see, I can tell no noticeable difference. Now, I will say I, I've never tried an RF lens, so I can't really tell you if there's a difference, like if the RF lenses are better. But I, all I know is that I have zero, zero, zero issues whatsoever using that adapter. And then furthermore, for you videographers out there, there is an adapter that you can get that actually has a built-in variable ND filter. So basically what this means is that you can have on any of these cameras, the R5, the R6, the EOS R, you can have a built-in variable ND filter on every single one of your lenses. So every time you put a new lens on, you have that built-in ND filter. So again, if you're pairing like me with a cinema camera that has built-in ND filters, you can have footage that looks similar because you can actually get a proper shutter speed due to this very simple, very elegant, very smart filter adapter thing that's only 300 bucks, 400 bucks, something like that. It's a game changer and it makes the whole like, cause again, we have cinema quality specs, 8K raw in these cameras. And you add that in with an ND filter, it allows you to shoot proper shutter speed. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's game over. It, it's just insane. So I would say that that's another huge pro is that like anybody who's thinking about switching from any other Canon camera to these mirrorless cameras, that adapter allows you to make that switch without thinking twice about it, right? As the lens lineup continues to grow down the road and as they continue to add more and more lenses to the lineup, sure, maybe it'll down eventually it'll make sense. Okay, let's start investing in some RF glass, start selling off of some of my EFS lenses, and eventually, you know, I could see, I think it's gonna take a while, honestly, because of how good the adapter is. Five, 10 years down the road, um, where EF lenses are kind of a thing of the past and they're only coming out really with RF lenses. I think that could happen. It's gonna be a while before we get to that point. But right now, you can switch no problem if you have a ton of EF glass because the adapter is so good. All right, so I have, here are some final thoughts. Again, this is not really, well thought out. I'm kind of just going off the top of my brain here, but here, here are my thoughts. Cause I have been on the C100 train for a long time, right? The C100 doesn't shoot 4k. It shoots 1080p, 60 frames per second. And that's it. Right. And I've said 
I've made videos, I've st stood and said for a long time, that, you know, specs don't matter, it doesn't really matter, it's more about the functionality of the camera. And I still, that, I still believe that to be true, I really do. I really do think that we're still not quite into the point, we're not, still not quite at the point where 4K is inevitable, right? I think that it's not a game changer yet. We, I, I have this, you know, now that I have the C200, I have the ability to shoot in 4K, the US R shoots in 4K, I just shot a wedding this past weekend and I didn't shoot, I shot 4K for two clips with the C200 during the ceremony and during the speeches for the ability to be able to punch in, but I'm still gonna be delivering in 1080. So again, everything we're talking about these cameras comes down to specs, comes down to all these different things. But the the thing about it is that the EOS R was already so good at all of like the baseline stuff in terms of autofocus and the menus and the stuff that matters on a day-to-day -day basis. For wedding filmmakers, those are the things that are going to actually make a huge difference. And for most filmmakers, anybody who is working, you know, solo filmmaker, whatever you do, doesn't matter if it's weddings or whatever it is. If you're a solo filmmaker, right, there's things that are going to make a big difference. Battery life, being able to run audio by yourself, monitor audio levels, like there's all these things that are actually going to make a huge difference and then there's the specs and yes the specs for these cameras look amazing right say 4k 120 frames per second 422 full frame that sounds amazing right but is it going to make a huge difference in your filmmaking is going to make a huge difference in your life i don't know probably not if you're delivering in 1080p 4k if anything is going to just cause you more problems because it's going to make sure your computer's going to have to be more powerful to handle it you're going to have to have more memory it's honestly just going to be a very expensive endeavor if you're just going out there just to say that you can shoot 4k what i think is great about these cameras is that not only does it have the specs because the specs are you know you can always shoot you can always shoot lower than the high you don't have to shoot in 4k 120 you can shoot at 1080p 120 right you always have the ability to come come back down off the specs you don't have to max it out but it's all the little things that make a big difference and that's what i actually think people should be talking more about with these cameras it's that the autofocus system got an upgrade it is now instead of being the dual pixel autofocus it's dual pixel autofocus something something version two right so the autofocus must be even better than it was before um you know the battery life is you know, that's gonna be a big question. The menus are great. The touchscreen on these cameras is fantastic. It's the closest to an iPhone touchscreen that I've probably ever felt. Like it's very responsive, it's very good. The touching, the face detect, all these different things that you're actually gonna use every time you pick up the camera make a big difference. The thing, you know, I'm really excited for is they added the joystick back on the back uh, and they added the little spinny wheel, right? On the EOS R, they went to this weird slide thing and they took away the spinny wheel. And that, that to me made the biggest difference as to why I wouldn't recommend that camera for photography because it was hard to change your autofocus points, right? Without having the joystick and, you know, it, it was a huge hindrance to me shooting photography and changing my autofocus points, right? And yes, you can touch the screen, but it's just a different workflow. So I love that these cameras are kind of finally coming full circle, bringing the best of what the EOS R has to offer, combining that with like the best of the 5D and then just blowing the top off with specs. But I think the specs are getting too much too much credit. So that's all. That's the kind of the last thing I want to say is yes, specs matter to a certain extent. And also no, specs don't matter at all. You're, you bring this camera to a wedding next weekend and you know, your bride's not going to be like, oh my gosh, is that the EOS R5? Are you going to be shooting that in 8K raw? No, they have no idea. And if you shot 8K raw, they probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference, right? So at the end of the day, like you still need to know how to use these cameras, the knowledge, the light, like there's so many other things that go into making a great wedding film or just a great film in general. I think 
what's just for me the biggest talking point about these cameras is just how surprised I am with Canon, right? Like after all these years and all these setbacks and all these weird releases, like the EOS RF that doesn't shoot uh, 24 frames per second in 4K, like what, like all this stuff. Handicapping cameras were stolen. They finally gave us everything we wanted. I think the R6 is the way to go. $2,500. I mean, again, it depends on where you are in your career and where you're at in your life, but like that's very affordable for like all the things that we're getting. So I'm excited. Don't get me wrong. I plan to, if I can sell my EOS R and sell my 5D Mark III, I'm going to go through with ordering the R6. I ordered it just to get my spot in line. If you're considering the R5, Again, I think that it's going to be a great camera for photographers. Those extra megapixels, you know, you can decide if it's worth it to you or not. Um, the one other, again, the big consideration is going to be having to upgrade all of your cards to CFast cards or only using one card slot. Um, CFast cards are just expensive. There's really no way around it. Um, so that's just an, an additional investment you're going to be having to make in that camera on top of the already higher price point between these two. Um, other than that, that's really all I have for today. Again, I as we continue with these cameras, as they get out into the world, as we start using them, we start seeing how they actually handle all these different scenarios. We'll have some more thoughts, and I'll have some more opinions, and I'll be able to let you know, you know, what I think about them. But I am excited. Uh, I'm excited for the future of filmmaking. I'm excited to be a Canon shooter again. Right? It's kind of like aha. That's right. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a fool for sticking around with Canon. Like they finally provided, they finally stepped up, and they showed us what they could do. So. Uh, I feel like it's kind of like a new era in terms of Canon, but I would love to hear what you guys think. Uh, if you want to, you know, go send me a message on Instagram. I'm at Tyler Harrington. I'd love to hear what you guys' thoughts are on these cameras. If you plan on upgrading. And the other thing I should have talked about more in this podcast is the whole difference of, you know, COVID being a real reality right now. A lot of people aren't shooting weddings. So this amazing camera came out that all of us wedding filmmakers are like drooling over in a time where weddings are the most uncertain we've ever been and we're not really sure how many we're going to shoot and when we're going to shoot another one so um that's all very very interesting but that's all i have for you guys today thank you so much for listening uh i'm hoping to bring you guys some more content soon i again i promise you i'm promising you some content on um c200 that is coming i'm very excited about that camera i don't want to be overshadowed by this because obviously i actually own that camera um and i've seen to shoot with it a little bit more and get a little bit more time with the camera so i have be able to give some real insight and some real thoughts on that so keep an eye out for that but thank you all so much for listening i'll see you in the next one